Most of us have been doing our work from home over the past few months. For some people, that's not a problem. For others, it's a whole lot harder. And for some, it requires getting creative. So my role continues even though we're not physically in the same space. So the things that I do in school that to me are really the, the key role of a school nurse, and that has mostly everything to do with connection and relationship building, continues. Maybe I can't do the, some of the tasks that I've done, the screenings and a lot of the paperwork, but that to me is not the foundation of what a school nurse is or does. It's really how we're of service to our families. When you think about all the people who work in a school building, teachers, principals, custodians, cafeteria staff, counselors, administrative staff, and countless others, school nurses might not immediately spring into your mind. Today, we're talking with someone who would like to change that. What I would love to see is that the educational system recognizes the invaluable contribution of school nursing for the health and safety of their students and their staff and their families and create the structure that supports that. From Frontline Education, this is Field Trip. Yeah, it's not Band-Aids and ice packs. In the middle of May, I fired up Zoom to talk with Robin Kogan. I am a school nurse in Camden, New Jersey. I have been a nurse for way older than you are, Ryan. I'll take the compliment, even if it's not quite true. But anyway, I've been a nurse since 1985. I'm starting my 20th year in September. So I've been a school nurse longer than I've been any other kind of specialty practice of nursing. And uh, I also teach school nursing at Rutgers University. So I also teach the next generation of school nurses, which has been a real privilege over the last eight years. Aside from serving in schools herself, Robin also writes a blog called The Relentless School Nurse, highlighting the work that school nurses do. And I also am very involved in gun violence prevention activism. You stay connected with many school nurses across the country. And one of the ways that you do that, of course, is through the blog that you just mentioned, The Relentless School Nurse. I wanted to ask you, would you say that it's now more important than ever for school nurses to stay connected with each other? Oh, I love that question. So this whole time has been a huge learning curve for all of us. And in school nursing, we typically often feel isolated because most often we're either the only nurse in the building, sometimes the only school nurse, even on a campus or even in a district. So connecting with peers is always important, but especially during COVID-19, when we are all in this virtual space of all of us trying to figure it out. I, I don't think school nurses have ever felt more connected than they have felt during COVID-19. More connected than they've felt. More connected. During... Wow. Because they, these intentional opportunities to connect have been innovated to fill the gap. You know, we, we're not seeing our students, our, our school communities face-to-face. -face. There's been a lot more outreach to each other 
to um, kind of commiserate over, oh my goodness, how do you do virtual school nursing? What's happening in your district? What's happening in your state? That has been one of the positives that there is a lot more opportunity for a virtual connection when we wouldn't have that during a typical school day. We've had a little time to take a breath and say, wait a minute, you know, what's working, what's not working? What really is our role? School nurses have really stepped up and filled in uh, gaps in care, gaps in community service. I mean, I can tell you story after story of what's happening across the country. And then connecting with each other has been one of the highlights. I'd like to dig in a little bit more to what working as a school nurse looks like right now. Of course, most things are happening in a remote capacity. So what does that role, what does the role of the school nurse look like during this pandemic? What are you seeing? Yeah. So we've all pivoted a lot and I can give you, I mean, this, this just happened to me over the last few days. One of my students, um, there was a shooting on his street and uh, like 17 bullets were were found in his home, shot through his home, uh, several in his room. I work in a community where community violence is an everyday reality. But in my role as a virtual school nurse, I was able to step in, reach out to mom, get support for the family. I, I would have done that if we were at school. So my role continues even though we're not physically in the same space. So the things that I do in school that to me are really the the key role of a school nurse, and that has mostly everything to do with connection and relationship building, continues. Maybe I can't do some of the tasks that I've done, the screenings and a lot of the paperwork, but that to me is not the foundation of what a school nurse is or does. It's really how we're of service to our families. Now, for most of my life, when I thought of a school nurse, the picture in my mind was of not feeling well in school and going to the nurse's office where I'd lie down. Or if someone skinned their knee at recess, they might go and get a Band-Aid. But in my conversation with Robin, it really became clear that school nursing is about a lot more than that. I think the the full scope and practice of school nursing has changed dramatically in the 20 years that I've been a school nurse. You know, we also have a framework for 21st century school nursing practice. And within that framework, working within the community is a huge part of what we do. You know, we look at things, I, I like to say, through a magnifying glass and a wide angle lens simultaneously. Robin talked about the digital divide that has become more obvious since schools shut down. She told me about one parent who was frustrated. Her son had been at home for two months and was still unable to get online. Robin found out about it and stepped in, helped them navigate a program offered by Comcast. And within 72 hours, the necessary equipment was on the student's doorstep. Well, let me ask you, I'm curious if you have any uh, thoughts or advice for school nurses who might want to do, do more to stay connected with their students and their families during school closures. What have you found to be the most effective practices for you? Are you making calls? Are you connecting on Zoom? How are you able to effectively connect with them? 
Oh, I can tell stories from my health office and from what other nurses are doing. There's lots, there's school nurses creating virtual health offices with all of the information that parents can tap into. Of course, they have to have access, right? There's also school nurses who are going house to house helping deliver food, staying connected that way. There are school nurses who are doing contact tracing with the, the health departments in their towns, knowing who's COVID positive and then doing, you know, seeing who they have been exposed to and encouraging families to quarantine and to isolate for the public health uh, prevention practices. I know in, in my own school nursing practice, um, I read books. Uh, I narrate books that I find and I upload them so at least the kids can hear my voice. And, and some of them are about COVID-19 that I have found, and some of them are their favorite books that I read anyway to them in school. I do a Facebook Live with the parents, and that's been really helpful. What else? We're doing a, a virtual, we call it a community cafe. So a gathering of the parents and meeting with the parents that way, as long as they have access. So many wonderful stories. Uh, there's a school nurse created a parade through her town, she, she was new to that school and she really loved her new position and she got all the teachers to decorate their cars and they drove her through her town in Rhode Island and tried to drive past the kids' houses. You know, these are the kinds of things, this is relationship building. You know, that's really what this is about. And it's happening all across the country. For me, I'm part of a local and a state uh, re-entry committee trying to help design what re-entry is going to look like because it's very complicated. So, you know, all bets are off for what it means to have any of these positions now. This is time to work together, to innovate, to, you know, step out of our own, whatever people thought was their own space and collaborate because that's the bottom line here. Now, over the past few months, of course, Health has rocketed to the forefront of all of our minds. And there's a huge question that we are all still waiting to see answered. How should schools reopen in the fall? Robin is the legislative co-chair on the New Jersey State School Nurse Association, and she's part of a task force looking at what that reentry will look like. Is everyone going to be wearing masks? Uh, does that mean that's the responsibility of each school district to provide masks for thousands and thousands of children and staff every day? 180 days a year? What's social distancing going to look like in school? Are we going to all, you know, are we going to be in a hybrid situation where half the students come Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then the other half work virtually Tuesday, Thursday, and then flip? And what does that do to the school community? Robin said, and you can probably already sense this, knowing the right way to go about doing this is incredibly complex. We err on the side of caution and conservative measures, you never ever want to be the cause of opening too early or not doing the right thing and God forbid having someone get sick. And honestly, it's not just the students. But when you also look at, you know, the average age of the staff, and who that child lives with, it's not just the children that are at risk, it's the staff. It's also visitors that come into the building. We need to understand based on evidence what the safest thing to do is. I'll give you an example. The nurse's office is now going to be really a high-risk area, if you think about it. Anybody who's sick is going to be sent to the nurse. If we believe that they're symptomatic for COVID, we are going to need an isolation area. Now, there is no standard school nurse 
office. Some are a closet. There's no isolation room. Some don't have sinks. Some have bathrooms and sinks. Some have their magnificent suites that even have air conditioning, you know? I mean, think about a school and, and the depth and breadth of schools across this country. There's no standard. So we're looking at facilities. Is there an isolation area cl close enough to the school nurse's office? Will there be extra staff to, you're not going to leave people alone. And we're not just talking about students. There's staff that could also often come not feeling well. I asked Robin to talk about this new normal that we're moving into as schools reopen. What is it going to look like? What will be the role of the school nurse? Or more to the point, what would she like the role of the school nurse to be? And she said, you know, we want a voice. We have information and a perspective that is needed in our schools. So she and some others went to the administration and said, we'd like to form a reentry committee and be involved in what reopening is going to look like. And the administration said, great. So anyway, we were able to put together a small group. We pulled in a pediatrician that works with many of our students. We thought that that was an important piece. And we just found out yesterday that one of the facilities directors wants to be part of the group. So it's kind of evolving and growing. But, you know, there's that great old saying, um, if you don't have a seat at the table, pull up a folding chair. <laughs> so... You know, it's kind of like that, but it's almost like if you don't have a seat at the table, make your own table, create the table. And that's what we were trying to do. And it's happening at the state level. It's happening at the national level. So I think school nurses have gotten the, the message that their perspective is not only important, it's vital. These are things that people don't understand. We're having a hard time wrapping our head around what is the evidence-based practice that will keep everybody the safest and not scare everyone to death. We don't want to walk around in hazmat suits, right? Sure. Well, let me ask you a little bit more about that. You mentioned a reopening committee. You mentioned, you know, having some of the expertise that could be needed to do something like that. I'd love to know a little bit more about what that looks like. Are you examining data, for example? So there, um, we have very generous colleagues and School nurses want to share their information. Nobody wants to reinvent the wheel. And we also realize that from the way we shut down, which was very truncated and haphazard in some ways, shutting down was not part of our emergency plan. We don't want that to happen again. So we want guidelines. We want standardized guidelines, recognizing it's not a one size fits all, but there's lots of categories that are common among schools. For example, Special needs students need extra attention and care and consideration. Medically fragile children need extra consideration and care and attention. St staff of a certain age may need additional supports that they do not currently have or additional consideration, let's say, for sick days that they may have to use. There are policies and procedures that must be updated because of COVID-19. We will not, and this is across the board, when we have many, many, many students with asthma, we will not be able to use a nebulizer in our schools because the nebulizer aerosols everything. So these are like the intricacies that have to be determined. What is now going to be considered our fever policy? It used to be that if you had a temperature of 100.4, you could come back to school after 24 hours with no medication, fever-free, back to school. Well, it might be 72 hours now. 
And who's going to enforce that? And are we taking temperatures every day of every single person that comes in the building? That doesn't sound feasible. Are you someone who is wondering exactly how to go about returning to school in the coming school year? Wondering how you're going to keep your students and staff safe? In the next school year, schools are going to need to find ways to ensure that when they do reopen, they do it safely. And that is why there's Frontline School Health Management. It's a comprehensive electronic health record system for schools with new functionality that allows schools to gather data on those affected by COVID-19 to make data-driven decisions about school openings and closures, whether during the current outbreak or any future flare-up. Frontline School Health Management helps you easily collect and keep track of health data on students, families, and staff. Information on symptoms, testing, immunity, and more. Plus, it can help you educate your staff and implement policies to increase safety, provide comprehensive tracking and reporting, and support mental and behavioral health care for students. For more information on Frontline School Health Management, visit frontlineeducation.com health. One of the things we've been thinking about at Frontline is how can data be used to inform policies and decision-making at the school level? And for example, thinking about the length of time in between when someone first is perhaps infected by the coronavirus and the incubation period that happens and then they start becoming symptomatic, that's a, that's a substantial length of time during which it's possible they could be infecting people and having data to be able to uh, make informed decisions at the school level seems to be a, a pretty critical thing. I'm curious if you've thought about how about what that looks like and and how to go about doing that. Or is so that... that's that's really contact tracing, right? That's that's following somebody who has symptom, symptoms, gets tested, then you find out they're positive. Then the contact tracing is really finding out who they've been exposed, who, who has been in their circle. So those concentric circles move out and out and out. And one person can impact hundreds. It's a spider web, especially this, this infection rate. It has been one person infecting three people. It's gone down a little bit, they believe, but initially the infection rate, that's why the spread was so huge. Uh, there's, we've done a much better job of social isolating and staying home and quarantining and isolating. But that is a key thing, testing and contact tracing. And honestly, those things are not clear yet either. These are the, these are the unknowns of, that we're waiting to hear the true guidance. You know, even the, the AAP, the American Academy of Pediatrics, just released their guidelines to, for returning to school. And they were also vague because they were ba- waiting based on what the CDC is going to tell the Department of Health, which will then tell the local departments of health. So we're a little bit handcuffed in some of this until we get the most up-to-date information. And on the other piece of that, things about COVID, they seem to change almost daily. Hmm. So recognizing that reality, as well as the reality that schools are... (laughs) are watching time go by and being forced to make decisions or at least plans for what comes next. What resources do you think will allow school nurses to help 
safely guide that reopening process? Is there anything that nurses can do now or over the summer maybe to help prepare them for some schools possibly reopening in the fall? Well, we're already very, very entrenched in creating these documents, these recommendations. We're also guided by many of us uh, statutes from our own state Department of Education. So there are laws and statutes that are going to have to be updated to change our practice. We also are guided by uh, physician orders. So those orders are going to have to be updated. And like I said, there's facilities that may have to be changed. You know, things have to be upgraded. Do we need HEPA filters in all our rooms and our, do we have to have a isolation room? What's that going to look like? Who's going to pay for that? So we are already in the process of planning. And we've been talking about this now for at least three or four weeks, if not longer. Robin also said she would love to see more school nurse consultants at the state level, at the Department of Education or Department of Health, to help drive these conversations and create unified policies and procedures in the state. Because, she said, even though we've dealt with outbreaks of various diseases before, this is a whole new ballgame. We're doing the best we can by reaching out, pulling our network in, consulting with, you know, these stakeholders that we've spent a long time creating relationships with who have really come forward to help us uh, because our pediatricians are in the same boat. You know, this is also unknown. Even when we lived through H1N1, and I was a school nurse during that, within a very short time, we had a vaccine. So our biggest issue was setting up vaccine clinics. We were not talking about social distancing. Schools were not closed for months at a time. You know, we had an answer. Our big thing was educating people about the importance of the H1N1, which is now part of everyone's flu shot, right? So a lot of what we do is public health work. But in this case, what are we asking for? We don't have a vaccine. We don't really even have a treatment. It's prevention. It's isolation. It's all the things that are also quite disturbing and depressing and creating trauma and adding to kind of this malaise of feeling unsafe. I mean, I don't know how I feel about going back to school. I'll be completely honest with you. I turned 60 in a month. And so I am about to enter that kind of high risk age group. The National Association of School Nurses has recommended that data collection is needed before, during, and after reentry as we move into this phase. And I wanted to ask you, do you think collecting that data is going to be maybe more challenging than it might have been in the past? Well, you know, we, we have to go, we need evidence. We need, I mean, I believe in the N of one. I do. I think there's a lot to be said about the N of one, but we also need the quantitative data to go along with the qualitative data. You know, collecting data is never anybody's, nobody wants to do that, right? It's not fun. But in this case, I I think if we can collect it in a way that we know the information is going to be not just shelved somewhere, but used, actionable, meaningful, and I'm not saying NASA ever did that because they've been really hoping that we can have like a national data set, but what are we collecting? You know, what's important for us to collect, I think is really the big key. And if it could be done in a way that was not burdensome, that would be super helpful. Sometimes, you know, there's still school nurses that don't have 
electronic health records that can't pull reports that they're still doing everything by hand. You know, we're all over the place in terms of school nursing, you know, that the fact that they're still writing immunization records by hand on a health, on a cardstock when we should all be using electronic records and sharing them appropriately and getting our information directly from the physician and not making the parent be the mediator, you know, is something that if anything, COVID shows us that, you know, technology is vitally important for all aspects of what we provide as well. There have been enough barriers put up around using technology in school health. It needs to end, especially I'm looking at all my kids who need immunizations. Infants and toddlers have had their immunizations over this time, and now practices are opening up for older kids to catch up. But this catch up is going to take a long time, a long time. Aside from questions about what school will look like in the fall, Robin said that the way the virus has put stress on our system shines a light on so many other looming issues like inequity and racial injustice. Issues that we've known are there, but that become even more visible. I I mean, I live 13 miles from where I work. It's a very different world. And my students should not have to struggle to get internet access. They should not have to struggle to have a hotspot. They deserve the same things my kids had growing up. It just shows you, you know, people struggle. And then when you add chaos and confusion onto the struggle, it's very self-defeating. You know, my parents are resourceful. I think most of them have done a tremendous job during this time. But, you know, everyone's tired. There are days that people feel really, really down because we don't know. I mean, you know, it's, a, it's feeling safe. It's feeling, it's feeling unsafe. It's, this is all about safety. So what would it take for school nurses to take more of a leadership role in the K-12 community? Robin had a couple of ideas. Structures that allow them to be upwardly mobile in their career paths so they don't necessarily always have the exact same job throughout their entire careers. And more broadly, she'd love to see school nurses recognized more for what they bring. What I would love to see is that the educational system recognizes the invaluable contribution of school nursing for the health and safety of their students and their staff and their families and create the structure that supports that. I don't want to be treated like the the locksmith that you only remember me when you get locked out of the house and then boy, you better be there because I need to get back in the house, right? We do so much more than that, but we're not, we haven't been very good at telling people what we do. And that's like a weird nursing DNA weirdness that we need to get over. So I decided to create this blog so that people could read really what we do. Well, let me ask you top five. Let's do a top five here (laughs) uh, because a lot of our listeners are not school nurses. They're people in in other aspects of district and school administration. Um, Top five things that you would say, here's how school nurses bring value to the organization that maybe aren't visible to people who are outside of the department. Okay, I'm ready. Ready? Yeah, Top go five. for it. Okay. <laughs> so I wonder if the listeners of this podcast, and I do appreciate you having me, know that school nurses spend up to 35% of our time on mental health issues. 35%. That's, that's 35%. A wow. Yeah, that's on, a lot. On mental health issues. And that's not just the kids. 
mental health issues for not just students but staff as well or or well that 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 parameter is Mm -hmm. for kids but Mm -hmm. we also in addition support the staff i see okay mental health that's a big one that's that's a huge one and and i think that's not something that most people would even think about but we do and when our kids are dysregulated which they often are often the adults are dysregulated and a dysregulated adult cannot help regulate a dysregulated student, which is part of some of the ongoing issues that we see every day in school. It's like Groundhog Day sometimes, right? <laughs> we know which adult and which student is, they're going to have issues that day. We do. So there are things that school nurses know because of what comes through our office that, yes, we do need to be confidential, but there are ways of sharing information without giving personal identifiable health information that can be very helpful to a school. If, if nothing else, in, in a school, the school nurse's office is the safe place to land, right? We don't give grades. We don't give punishments. You know, we're, 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 we're really there to support the school community. I really want people to understand that. And our role is beyond the walls of our health office. A really impactful school nurse is working within the community too, embedded in that community, really a part of the bigger picture. And I think, you know, we're underutilized in terms of what the value that we bring. It's from a lack of understanding, a lack or an assumption of what we do. I mean, you know, as a school nurse, I have taken care of family members who are across the street from school, a bedridden grandfather. You know, we do so much care coordination, connecting families to services and not just handing them a phone number, sitting with them, making those appointments, explaining, getting if they need help with um, translation, getting those translation services. Robin said she has worked with undocumented students who were dealing with medical issues and helped them navigate the system, understand what kind of assistance or care they were eligible for. Or she shared about one student, quite young, who was taking food home for her family in her pockets. So we got together and we created a food pantry. And, you know, these are like the unsung things that people don't know about. So I, I asked you for top five. I, I, I'm not sure if that was one, two, three, or four. <laughs> I know. That was a lot. Oh, God, I have so many stories. So I do. I have a lot of stories from my health office. And the bottom line is, if you're familiar with adverse childhood experiences, the ACE to study, and trauma, and what trauma does to kids, the one mitigating factor around trauma is being that one person in a kid's life, that constant who will be there. That to me is one of the gifts of school nursing, that we can be that adult, that constant person for that student. Robin told the story of another student, a boy who had a really difficult home situation. He would ride his bike to school and one day it was pouring rain. So when he got to school, his clothes were soaked. She said, here, I'll give you something to wear and let's dry your clothes. And while his clothes were drying, he sat in her office and they just talked. And that, in that hour that he was in my office while his clothes were drying, it was like a miracle. Nobody came in. And that never happened in my school. My school is usually like a revolving door. And he told me his whole life story about his life, about what happened to him. And, you know, it just, I'll never forget that conversation. And I hope he never forgets that I listened to him. 
you know, he went on to leave the school and they socially promoted him. But once in a while, I do hear from him. Still. And yeah, because those are those moments, right? Those are those moments. So anyway, yeah, it's not Band-Aids and ice packs. Yeah, that's great. I have two more questions. One is open-ended and one is a little bit more specific. Here's the specific one first. In the middle of this pandemic and new reality of distance learning and distance working and social distancing, I'm tired of saying the word distance. It's been a really stark and challenging reality for many of us in a lot of different ways. Do you see the ripple effects of this in your students' emotional and behavioral well-being down the line? And and if so, you know, how can school nurses or how are school nurses really working with colleagues to address and meet those needs? I see it today. Today, I there was a parent posted a message from their child and the message was I have it on my phone. I think I took a picture of it. This was the message from the parent. She used the little girl's name, but I won't. She cried herself to sleep last night, asking why she couldn't go to school. She cried with so much hurt. It broke my heart. She asked for her teachers and asked to play with her friends. She cries when we have to put her mask on. Mom, please, I don't want to wear this. This is affecting her, and I can't help but try to help her understand why things are so different. That's school nursing. How do you respond to that? What do you find is the best way to to deal with that? Well, I think one way is supporting mom and just giving her a lot of credit for sharing. And I, I did reach out to mom, and I found a book called The Sewing Lesson, and This book, people are so generous, I have to tell you. Um, This book is about, it's about COVID. This this woman just wrote this book and she's made it open access. And I taped it and I'm going to send it to them because it's about a little girl whose mom is sewing masks to help the helpers. And it's a beautiful story. And it talks about the little girl didn't want to wear a mask and it was scritchy and scratchy and she didn't like how it looked. And then her mom made her a pink mask. And then her mom also wore a mask and they went out and they saw the flowers and she forgot she even had the mask on. And it's just a beautiful story. So that's what I hope helps momentarily. Here being heard and, and saying what is, this is hard. You know, when we meet with the parents, we say, you're doing a great job because this is really hard and, and we're going to get through this. But, you know, w- none of us know where this is going. We can't make predictions and that makes things feel really uneasy. And we can't promise anything right now, right? We don't know. But we know we'll be there. We know that they're not alone. We know that we have a school community that cares about each other. Last question is this, uh, knowing that The people who listen to this podcast might be superintendents and HR directors and principals and people in instruction. Is there one thing you would like to say or that you want them to know about school nursing, about what you need, about what you hope the future is going to look like over the next six to 12 months? Yeah, I would encourage, even in the midst of their busyness, reach out to your school nurse, invite that person to be part of your reentry team if they are not already. 
you know, have understand that their nursing perspective, you need that nursing lens right now for things that you may not have thought about, that only the nurse will have that kind of inside information. And improving, spending time really working on those relationships will pay off tenfold, tenfold. You know, I I can't tell you the impact of what that would mean if the, if the superintendent reached out personally to the school nurse and said, I need your help because we're helpers. We'll be there. Robin Kogan is a school nurse in Camden, New Jersey. She writes a blog called The Relentless School Nurse. Field Trip is a podcast from Frontline Education. Frontline is a leading provider of school administrative software, making it easier for you to manage your district even when you're operating virtually. For more information, visit frontlineeducation.com slash fieldtrippodcast. For Frontline Education, I'm Ryan Estes. Thanks for listening and have a great day.